Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Florida, Georgia weekend, Jacksonville, Florida. It's a good day to be in church, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, I'm Chris, one of the pastors here. It's great to be able to speak, speak to you this morning. Pastor Stovall and Pastor Carrier on their 23rd uh, wedding anniversary. They got away this weekend. Aren't you? Yeah, come on, let's put our hands together. For, we want our pastors to be blessed. He'll be back next week. We're starting a new series called Heart for the House. It's gonna be great, so you don't wanna miss it. But I, I wanna speak to you today on uh, the subject of freedom, but uh, it's just a great day to be in church, isn't it? Come on, how about the cold weather? Come on, are you ready to get into God's Word? Yes. I wanna say hi to the campus out there. OP, how y'all doing? Come on, let's put our hands together. Greet the OP campus, St. John's campus. Uh, over in Midtown, those watching online. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 53. And this is a familiar passage from some of you. Isaiah chapter 53 in verse five, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. <clears throat> he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace <clears throat> excuse me, was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep, have gone astray, everyone. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We see Isaiah here, the prophet, he's predicting the events of the cross. Hundreds of years before this happened, he, he says that we were, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He was gonna go to the cross for our healing. And then in Peter, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So we see Peter looking back at the cross, Isaiah before the cross, Peter looking back at the cross, both of them making the point that something significant happened when Jesus went to the cross. When he was on that whipping post, when he received those stripes on his back, something significant happened it was for our healing. And I wanna to talk to you this morning about the way of freedom. It wasn't just an accident. These, everything in the Bible is for a purpose. And, and he went to the cross. He went through every little thing that happened on the way to the cross. It was for a purpose. It was for our freedom. It was for our healing. And so there's a way of freedom. It's the way to the cross. The way to the cross is the way of freedom. Come on, let's pray all at the campuses. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for your word today. Jesus, we thank you that you are real. You are alive. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's moving in our hearts, moving in these campuses, these locations. And our, we just open our heart and our life up to you, God, that we could be changed and closer to you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Most of us have uh, scars from, from we got from growing up. How many of you say, that's me, I got some scars from, you know, out in the woods growing up. You know, when I grew up, I lived out in the country and we were always outside, out in the woods, in the neighborhoods. And I could, I could tell you a lot of stories about scars I have. How about you, anybody else, a lot of us? Yeah, so I remember the first thing, I was thinking about some scars I got, the first thing that came to my mind was I remember going to high, in high school, someone was coming to pick me up and I said, let me just get on my bike and, and drive down the driveway. We had this real steep driveway and it was wet. I got about halfway down and I slid and I just landed on my chin. 
and just busted my chin right here. I'm, I'm, I'll never forget like going back into my house. Back in, my mom was like, I thought you were at school and instead there's blood everywhere. Come on, let's, let's uh, pray for all the moms, teenage moms in the house this morning, you know. So I had to get stitches and I still have a scar right here from that day I drove down the driveway. I remember my cousin uh, got a go-kart and uh, I got on it, and so I was going through the neighborhood, and I hit some gravel, and I flipped upside down, and I uh, skinned up my elbow real bad. And so I remember a, a year later, a year after that accident happened, I was sitting in class in high school one day, and I was just messing around with my elbow. I had a scar there, and I, was, and I pulled out a giant rock, uh, and there was a hole in my elbow in the scar. I said, how cool is this? I just pulled this out of my elbow. <laughs> My neighbor got a, a, a tractor. I, like I said, I grew up in the country. He got an orange Kubota diesel tractor. I'm telling you, this tractor was fast. You don't believe me, but we made a sled and we tied it to the back of it with rope and he would get going real fast and he would turn like that and he would sling me way out like we were like with your water skin and you'd be going real fast. Well, the only problem was there was a barrel that I didn't see and I broke the fall with my head. So if you didn't notice, I'm ball headed. And I got a scar right here. You know, I was thinking about this story. The funny thing about this story is, I think my dad sewed it up. He, he's not a doctor. <laughs> he didn't do a very good job either. I got a big scar on my head I mess with all the time. But I think my, the funniest uh, scar story I have is I've got, I had two warts on my thumb right here. And I had them, I had them uh, burned off, frozen off when I was a kid. I got a sister. She's 10 years younger than me. And she's like, uh, what happened to, what are those, what's that on your thumb? What, what are those scars? I said, you know what? I said, a snake was coming after me, and I went to grab it, and its fangs just got me right here. She was like, whoa, really? I said, yeah, that's how I deal with snakes. I just grab them, yeah, you know, and shake them off. She was like, oh, man, you're so tough. She believed me, I'm telling you, until she was like 30 years old, like 30 years old, she's 30 years old. She said, did a snake really bite your thumb? I said, no, that was just scars. <laughs> I had her going for like 20 years. But we all have scars on the outside, and you know, we have emotional wounds, emotional scars as well, and that's what I wanna to talk to you about here the next few minutes this morning, is getting freedom in your soul, freedom in your life, amen? And so, here in the, um, we all have a story that we could tell, and it, it brought wounds. What's, what is a wound? It's a mental or emotional hurt or blow, a gap in our soul a wound in our soul, and it happens to all of us. And there's a process of healing, you know, it can happen in different ways. I believe with all of my heart that God's love, the Holy Spirit is the most powerful force in the universe. Can I have an amen? I believe his love can bring healing that's unexplainable. But you know, healing can be a process. God can touch us and bring healing. He can send someone into our life, a friend that we talk to, a pastor, a small group, you know, we have freedom groups they are launching in the fall. I hear more and more testimonies of freedom groups every semester, incredible things. If you haven't gone through a freedom group, look for those in the fall. Some of us, we meet with trained professionals, pastors. It's a process of healing, but this is what we know. God wants us free. He wants his people to be free. Jesus went to that cross to provide healing. By his stripes, we are healed. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. Healing, he wants his people free. And so I want to walk you through Matthew chapter 26 and 27, these events that happened on the way to the cross. I believe every bit of this is in the Bible for a purpose. 
And so we're gonna go through this and we're gonna see what happened on the way to the cross, the way of freedom. So if you think about what Jesus said, what it says in Hebrews about Jesus, it says, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize for our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted just as we are, yet without sin. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand. So God's up in heaven, he's spirit, but listen, he sent his son to experience pain on the earth so that he can relate to what we walk through. And I, the scripture says that, that we can call out to him in faith and obtain mercy in time of help, in a time, we can go boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy to find help in a time of need. I believe when we call out to Jesus, he gets it, he understands because he was there. That's what we're gonna look at. He went through these experiences for a purpose to provide for our healing. And so the story starts off in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you have your Bibles, you can look in Matthew chapter 26 and 27. Uh, and we're looking at the Garden of Gethsemane. And so a few years ago, I was in Israel, and you can't see it, but I have a little rock right here, and I got this in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's an olive grove, there's olive uh, trees there, and I got this rock and I didn't get arrested. I stuck it in my pocket and I've kept it, and I'll sell it to you after church. <laughs> we can bid on it, no, I'm just kidding. No, but how many of you know Jesus, he may have stepped on this rock. This, this was right from the Garden of Gethsemane and it reminds me of what he went through on the way to the cross. And so in Matthew chapter 25, at the end there, he predicts Peter's denial. He says, when the cock crows three times, you're gonna, Peter says, look, Lord, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And the Bible says all the disciples said the same thing. So they all said, we're gonna stick with you. We won't deny you. So then he goes into the garden and he begins to pray. And the Bible says, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the death. And what's happening is he says, my soul is, is, is exceedingly sorrowful. He's starting to become sin for us. The scripture says his sweat became like great drops of blood. He's actually becoming sin. The scripture says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's becoming sin for us is what is happening. So he's got his guys around him. And he says, look, guys, can you just pray? Can you pray with me? He says, he says watch and pray. And so they start out and they're, 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 they're praying together. And the Bible says what? They, they fell asleep. He goes, can you not pray with me one, one hour? He goes a little further and he, he says, if this cup could pass from me, let, it, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. The scripture says he's in agony praying, sweat becoming like, in anguish praying. And so his guys, for some reason, they don't recognize the moment because they keep falling asleep. In fact, three times they fall asleep. And so can you imagine Jesus? He looks around, his guys are not there. They're asleep. The first thing, the first wound that we see is that Jesus was abandoned. He was left all alone. Here he was, left all alone in the garden. He looked around and his guys aren't there. Can you imagine how that felt to him? These were the guys who were supposed to have his back. Maybe some of you have looked around in life and you said, man, I feel all alone. I feel like no one's there. And you, you feel this feeling of loneliness, this feeling of abandonment. You know, uh, Jesus felt it. He felt that wound just like we do at times. 
And the scripture says that he sets the solitary in families. I remember years ago when we started Celebration Church, uh, Pastor Stovall, he, he called me up in uh, Shreveport. He said, I'm going to start a church in Jacksonville. I said, where? Jacksonville? Is that where the University of Florida is? I, I didn't know. I, you know, I wasn't sure about even what Jackson, where Jacksonville was. He said, I'm going to start a church. I want you to come with me. And, and, and so he left a message on my machine. We used to have these little things called answer machines, right? Millennials, we had answer machines and we had phones with cords and you had to go push a button and it went beep and then it said the message, you know. So he left a message on my machine and, and this is what it said. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Brooks, we're going to Jacksonville. I'm sending a U-Haul to pick you up. And I remember thinking, plant a church? You can do that? What's a church plant? I didn't even know you could do such a thing. And Ash and I, our families really didn't go to church much. And so, you know, we didn't, you know, but I remember praying that night and just the Holy Spirit and the fire of God just burning in my heart. Listen, I'm supposed to go to Jacksonville and plant this church from scratch. We don't know anyone here. But you know what? The scripture says God sets the solitary in families. Some of you, you, you feel abandoned. You, you, maybe you're a single mom. Man, that's why we moved to Jacksonville so you can have a spiritual family. Some of you, you're leading your family, you're a dad, but you're trying to do your best, but you don't know people and you feel alone. Look, that's why we came here. That's why we planted the church, is for people just like you. Maybe you are single and you just moved here. We meet people every weekend after church and they just moved to Jacksonville. How many of you are glad our city's growing and prosperous and people are moving here and, we just, and they don't know anyone? And, 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 and so we, when we started a church, we set these signs out. In fact, I used to make these signs and set them out every Sunday. Me and Pastor James Price, some others, every Sunday we would set these signs out, get up real early. Our church was mobile for six years. We set it out and the sign said, we are so glad you're here. We would set it out. We are so glad you're here. Those signs, you know what? That's not just a sign. That's not just words. That's our heart. That's our pastor's heart, that's our leader's heart, that's our church family's heart. We are so glad that you're here. If you feel abandoned, amen, you feel alone in Jacksonville and our campuses, man, that's why we're here. That's, we, we're so glad that you're here today and we want you to be a part of our spiritual family. And so Celebration Church, over the years, it's, we've grown multi-campuses, multi-sites, now thousands of people, but you know what? We want this church to grow larger and smaller at the same time. We're still so glad that each one of you are here. Now, how do you grow larger and smaller at the same time in a, in a church like this? You, you join a group, you join a serving team, you go through the growth track, and that's how, you, that's how you, you just need a few friends to feel like you're a part of the church family, lots of people to choose from. Lots of people that you have the same thing in common. And so join a freedom group, join a small group, go through the growth track and get on a serving team and, and God's gonna connect you to a friend here in the church if you're new. And so back to the garden, Jesus, he's all left all alone and he feels a wound. The first wound is abandonment. He was abandoned for our freedom. The second thing that happens is he's there and all of a sudden here comes Judas. And the scripture says he betrayed him with a kiss. It was a sign. And so Jesus says, friend, why have you come? You could circle the word friend in your Bible. Jesus calls him a friend because the Bible says he was one of the 12. Jesus, he just wasn't this betrayer. He was one of Jesus' friends. They, they did life together. And Jesus was betrayed 
by someone that was close to him. The second wound that he experienced was betrayal. And so betrayal hurts. This betrayal is usually not gonna happen by someone on the other side of the globe. It's not gonna happen on the, uh, someone on the other side of the country. It's usually gonna be someone that's close in your life. And so for you Bible scholars out there, in Zechariah 13, six, it says this. What are these wounds in your hands? He says, I was wounded in the house of my friends. 600 years before this event ever happened, we see Isaiah, he prophesied the cross, the healing of the cross. We see Zechariah, he says, what are these wounds in your hands? He said, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Betrayal happens. It hurts. Maybe some of you, you know, it, it, a coworker, a business relationship, someone in your family, a close friend, you thought they were on your team and all of a sudden now they're turned around and they're against you. They're on the other team. Now their fingers pointed at you and you thought, I thought we were on the same side. It hurts. It can leave a wound. It happened to Jesus. Someone that he walked with, one of the 12, he said, friend, why have you come? And so I wanna encourage you, when you walk through betrayal, you lose trust. And your, your reaction's gonna be to isolate yourself. You're, you're gonna wanna say this, I never wanna get betrayed again. I'm just gonna go my own way, I'm gonna isolate, I'm just gonna protect my heart from getting betrayed again. Listen, if you've walked through that, maybe you felt betrayed by someone and it's left a gap in your soul, a wound, here's what I would encourage you to do. You're gonna have to just take a step. Take a step to trust again. God wants to heal that place in your heart, but you have to take a step towards Jesus. He was abandoned, he was betrayed, he can bring healing, and then you're gonna have to take a step in timing to learn to trust again, and that's how you're gonna get into it. There's no better place to be than a healthy church family if that's how you feel. So we're glad you're here today. If you feel like you've been abandoned, you've been betrayed, you're in the right place. And so back in the, in the garden, they begin, things begin to escalate now. Judas is, is assigned, Judas has given him a kiss, and they, they, they grab Jesus and they take him to Caiaphas, the high priest. So the Jews were trying to kill Jesus, we know that, and so all these scribes and elders are around, and it's like a courtroom scene. And, and so they, they sought to find, to make up lies about Jesus. They were trying to seek false testimony about him. But the scripture says they couldn't find anyone. And then these two false witnesses finally come forward and they say, this man says that he can destroy the temple and build it back in three days. They twisted his words a bit. He was speaking of his body. He was prophesying the resurrection, but they said they, they likened it to an earthly temple. They twisted his words, and so finally they had found false witnesses, and they, they slandered Jesus. So Jesus, we know that he was, he's on the way to the cross. This 18-hour period is very significant. So he was abandoned by his friends, right? Judas comes, and, those, and one of his close friends betrayed him. Then he goes to Caiaphas, the high priest, and they slander him and make up lies about him. How do you know Jesus was facing wounds here? He was going through some pain that we all experience. And so now they're slandering Jesus. And how many of you know that happens in our lives? Especially with social media and, and you know, things get out there and they get around and they're just not true. You know, and, and so how did Jesus respond when they slandered him? The scripture says, he kept silent. In Peter, it says this, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. 
That's how we respond when we're slandered. And here's the principle. A lie always has a limited lifespan. The truth always comes out eventually. A lie always has a limited lifespan. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And then Caiaphas finally says, tell me, are you the Christ? Are you the son of God? And Jesus says, you will see the son of God coming back, sitting at the right hand of power and coming back in the clouds. Come on, somebody. And, and, and Caiaphas, now he says, that's blasphemy. And he tears his clothes and he sends him to Pilate. So he, he goes from just the scribes and the elders, the Jews, the high priest there, now he goes to the government, the governor of Rome, Pontius Pilate, and he goes, and now you can see this weight of the cross, all of these things, you can really begin to see them escalating now. They grabbed him, now he's going to the government. And, and so they, they've, they've accused him of blasphemy, they accused him of breaking the law, and so he, now he's, he's going to Pontius Pilate, and uh, Pontius Pilate was not a nice ruler, okay? In fact, he was extremely violent and he was ultimately tried for cruelty and oppression. And so during their feast, you know, this was the time of the Passover, right? They had the Passover dinner, they, and the Last Supper we call it. And so at the time of the feast, the custom was to release a prisoner to the people. Okay, so now can you get the picture He's before Pilate, the Roman governor. This is not a nice person. He doesn't like the Jews. He doesn't care about them at all. He just, he just wants to rule authority. You know, he doesn't want an uprising for the people. And so during, during this time, they always release a prisoner. And so he says, who do you want me to release? Now, they have Jesus over here. He's probably bound. Look, Jesus, the Lamb of God. All he did was love people, heal the sick, feed the poor, speak the truth of God. Here's Jesus, the lamb, okay? Over here is this other guy named Barabbas. So Barabbas, the scripture says he's an insurrectionist against the government. That means he wanted to lead a rebellion. And so they got him, I just picture him, he's in chains over here. He's in chains, he's probably cursing. He's full of rebellion, full of the devil. And he's probably laughing who are they gonna pick, the Lamb of God or Barabbas? He says, who do you want me to release? And the people say, Barabbas. Can you imagine how Jesus felt? Can you imagine the, the, just the humiliation, just the, the rejection that he felt when the people chose Barabbas, his own people. The scripture says he came to his own. His own knew him not, he, his own didn't receive him. Some of these same people were the ones that he probably healed and fed, people in their family, and they, they, they chose Barabbas. Jesus was rejected, man. And rejection touches all of us. It, rejection touches all of us at some point in our life, some in worse ways than others, but we will never experience the rejection that Jesus, it was unimaginable rejection that he faced that day. And in another passage, they say, crucify, he said, Barabbas says this. I mean, uh, Pilate says, what do, you want, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And the people say, let him be crucified. And another passage, it says, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine? 
not my will, just the Father's will be done. Can you imagine how he, he felt? And listen, we all experience rejection at times, and it hurts. This is what rejection is. Rejection is when someone chooses someone else over you. They chose Barabbas, and so you didn't get the job. You, you thought you were gonna marry this person, but they said no. And you felt rejection, it hurts. You didn't make the team. You got fired. Your own family, at times, you don't feel like you fit in. It hurts. Nothing hurts worse than being rejected by someone you love. And that's what Jesus felt. And here's the principle. When you feel rejected by people, God is choosing you for something greater. Jesus was rejected by the people, but Father God was choosing him to be the savior of the world. Listen, this is the principle. When you feel rejected, it's because God has something better. He has something greater for you that you can't see yet. When you feel rejected by people, God is choosing you for something better. He's choosing you for something greater. So, so many times in life, you see a parallel between a church and the Christian life. You know why? Because both of them require faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so many of you are here and you see this arena, but you know, we didn't always have an arena. And Pastor Stovall, you know, I remember he called me, he said, we're moving to Jacksonville. You know, we started in this little school down the street. We just had a, we started with seven people. You know, and then we, we began to outgrow that little school and the school just so happened we did, to build a little theater. We, we didn't know what we were gonna do after we outgrew the gym. We started in a gym. Where were we gonna go? Well, the school just so happened to build a little theater. We were able to keep growing in there. We ran three or four services in there. We didn't know what to do. We're trying to figure out what to do in Jacksonville. And then UNF just happens to build a $22 million Lazar Theater in construction. So I remember we go over there and I'm like, oh man, this place is big, it's nice. You know, how, how can we move in there? You know, we go in there and we prayed this scripture. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. That scripture just means God gives good gifts and he doesn't change. And so we were in there, we prayed that scripture and I remember thinking, man, we can't afford this. How can we set this big place up and be mobile at UNF? And, we moved in, we signed that contract. I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know, in faith. We moved in and the church doubled again. We didn't know where our home was gonna be. And uh, you know, pastor, we saw this land, this land that you're sitting on right now. We saw this land over here and a family owned it. And we're, you know, pastor's like, man, I think that's where our church is supposed to be. And we called them and they said, no, the town center is gonna be here. We're building a town center. So we, pastor, he had the faith, he didn't give up. He said, man, I think, I think that's where we're supposed to. He called him back and, and, the, and the guy said, you know what, the town center's moved down the street. That land is for sale again. And we were able to purchase this land and build this arena. How many of you know, if you looked at a map of Jacksonville and you could try to find the best place to put a church, it'd probably be like right here. Come on, y'all. When you feel rejected, by people and you don't know God is choosing something better. He sees more than you can even ask or think. He sees the end from the beginning. We were at, o at the OP campus. We built out this grocery store years ago. And we've been meeting in there and it's been full. It's overflowing all the time with people. 
and we didn't know where to go. And we got this land, I'm telling you, when you drive down 295, <clears throat> you see the, the arena, the best land on this side, you get, you get going down 295 right when you go over the river and you get to Kingsley, it's the best land. If you had a map, it's the best land for Celebration Church, right off of 295, right there in Duval, Clay County. How many of you know when, when you don't know where else to go, God's choosing you for something greater? And we're gonna build that building in OP, Clay County, and we're gonna continue to grow. Pastor Layton, we planted a church down in Fort Lauderdale. He looked at 200 locations before he got, God opened up the door for the perfect high school. Then they're in their third week. Out in St. John's County, Pastor Bob out there, they're one of our fastest growing campuses. How many of you know people are moving to St. John's County by the hundreds? The best is yet to come for St. John's County. In your life, amen, just like the church, when you feel rejected, it's because God has something better. If you don't give up, he's got something greater for you that you couldn't see when you felt like your dreams were broken. Amen, come on, let's put our hands together for the faithfulness of God. And so are you guys, are you still with me? We're on the way to the cross, the way of freedom. Jesus was in this garden. I got a rock, if you don't believe me. I got a rock right there from the garden of Gethsemane. And, and I, I saw this place where he was abandoned by his friends. And then he was betrayed by one of his close friends, Judas. And then he, he goes to this courtroom setting and he was slandered, and then it keeps going, and so we, we know he goes to Pilate where he's, he's, he faces unimaginable rejection from the people that he, he loved. And, and so uh, when we see the faithfulness of God in our lives when we look back, we couldn't see it at the time. We look back in the church history, we can't see it. How many of you know the best days for Celebration Church are ahead? Amen. And so it may, many of you may have missed this in the story here of Jesus on the way to the cross, the way of freedom, but Pilate says this, he washes his hands and he says, you know, he, he, he doesn't wanna, his wife says, don't do it, she had a dream, but he, he washes his hands and he says, I have no, no responsibility in this. But he says, let him be crucified. And so then they take him and they scourge him. The scripture says, by his stripes we were healed. Peter, by his stripes, we are healed, Isaiah. There's something about those stripes that happened at that whipping post. What is the whipping post? You guys know what that is? It's when they take a cat of nine tails, leather with bone or metal at the end, and they used it to beat Jesus back. By his stripes, something significant was happening. So he goes to the whipping post, and you can just imagine what he looks like now, but this is something you may have missed in the story. So. The Roman soldiers grab Jesus and they take him and they're gonna have some fun with Jesus. In my Bible, it says this, the soldiers mock Jesus. And they take him to a praetorium, which is kind of like the, the, where the Roman uh, guard stays, and they take him in like a locker room environment. They take Jesus in there and the Bible says they put a crown of thorns on his head. Now this was not in Pilate's orders. So they put a crown of thorns on his head, they put a reed in his hand, they put a robe on him, and they're saying, hail Jesus, king of the Jews. They're mocking him. They, they spit in his face, they take the reed from his hand, and the Bible says they hit him in the head with it. What's happening to Jesus? 
He's being abused. He's being abused. What's abuse? It's the misuse of authority. Anyone with authority can misuse it. A parent, a teacher, a coach, a police officer, and it leaves a wound and it causes distrust. It happens in our lives. And so it happened to Jesus. And so abuse, the misuse of authority, it causes us to not trust authority anymore. But if that's happened to us, we need to get free. Because the scripture says in Romans 13 that authority is from God. Authority is here to bring protection. Authority is how we have order and blessing on the earth. Authority is a good thing, but we have to learn to trust again. Jesus took this detour. He knows what it's like to be unfairly abused by authority. And if that's happened to you, he can bring healing. He can bring freedom. You just have to take a step. You have to trust. And so the scripture says, Simon carried his cross and they go to this place called Golgotha. And it's, that means the place of a skull. And when you look, I remember looking at this skull on the mountain, it, it looks just like a skull. And I was trying to envision the cross there and I was trying to envision this. I started out with my rock in Gethsemane and I was trying to envision what happened to Jesus in the, in, with Pilate, with Caiaphas, with, with, with the, the praetorium, with the locker room setting when they abused him. And then the scripture says, they, he, he gets to the cross and it says, they crucified him there. And you can just imagine Jesus on the cross. The scripture says the thieves were mocking, mocking him. People were mocking him when they walked by. And, and they said, save yourself. They, they, they said, if you can destroy the temple and raise it in three days, just save yourself. And, and so Jesus up there, what's happening to Jesus now? I think he's just embarrassed. He, he's up there, he's, he's humiliated. He's up there and people are making fun of him. And it just remi reminded me in our lives, so many times uh, we get nicknames. I was thinking of nicknames that I heard over the years. You know, in Louisiana, we all had nicknames. You know, when I, I grew up in Georgia and then I moved to Louisiana when I was in the seventh grade and these guys were like, oh, you're from, Louisiana, you're from uh, Georgia. We're gonna call you, uh, they got peaches over there. We're gonna call you Peachy. I said, no, no way. I'm for, for serious, they tried for about a week. They tried to call me Peachy for about a week and I said, I will throw the first punch. If anybody else calls me Peachy, it's on, friend. I was serious, I was not gonna be Peachy in Louisiana. But I started thinking, you know, sometimes these nicknames, they just go too far. You know, I had, in, in college, all of my friends had nicknames. We had this one guy, and he was a bigger guy. He liked to eat a lot, and we called him a Snack Bar. Now listen, I never knew his name. First name, Snack, last name, Bar. Still, we went, we went fishing down in Louisiana a while back, and this guy, they said, Big, Bigfoot's gonna pick, pick you up, go fishing. Never knew his name. I'm telling you, the whole community, that's just Bigfoot. That's his name. You know, there was, there's, I remember thinking, we, we had this other guy in our fraternity when I was in college, he was a big boat up guy. We called him Snap, and this little guy followed him around all the time, we called him Snip. <laughs> I, I'm a football fan, there's this cornerback, plays for LSU, and his name's Greedy. I said, that's a good name for a, a cornerback, but you don't wanna be named Greedy your whole life. <laughs> there in Louisiana, another guy that we, we know, his name's Dirty. I said, man, that's too far, that's too far. 
But look, I had another friend. I made fun of him for being bald-headed. Oh man, all the time. He was premature balding, and I made so much fun of him. And then uh, my wife, Ashley here, she used, when we were younger, she started losing her, I had to wear glasses, and I made fun of her. How many of you know the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth? Because <laughs> I'm blind as a bat, and I'm bald. So here we go, that's what I get, making fun of people. But these nicknames, it can go too far, and, and, and it, gets, it can become your identity. You know, and, and you can become embarrassed, and it's just too far. And, and so now we see Jesus, he's, he's, on, he's on the cross, he's, he's facing embarrassment, right? And the, the scripture says, they put a label on him, and it says, this is the king of the Jews. And they want, they want to take it down, and, and Pilate says, what is written is written. Just leave it up there. Now, have you ever thought about this? This is what they're saying. This is the king of the Jews, this, this crucified one. It's mocking Jesus. It's humiliating him. This is your king, this crucified one. The, the Jews thought someone was gonna come back with in power, you know, in military might. But this, this crucified, weak person, man, this is your king. They're making fun of him. And so they put a label on him. And he says, what is written is written. It says, this is, they put this accusation against him. And we know that there's an accuser of the brethren. And here's the deal. Your enemy loves labels. He loves to give you a label. Something like this. You're a divorced person. You, you filed bankruptcy. You're a, you're a failure. You're you're a quitter. He loves, you're an addict. And you just feel it. You just feel it coming back. You're, you'll never make it. Your enemy loves to give you a label. But here's the thing. When Jesus went to that cross and he gave his life for our sins, he came to deliver us from all of our labels. The scripture says, if anyone be in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He came to deliver you from all of your labels. You know what your label is now? You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. That's your label. And I wanna pray for us today. As we see this way of freedom, you know, Jesus walked this path for us those years ago. You say, what does that have to do with me? It's that he can relate to your pain. He knows the wounds that you face and that you have, and he wants to bring wholeness. He wants to bring he healing. He wants to bring freedom. I just, I picture it like this. The scripture says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And when he sees us going through this rejection, when he sees us facing this label that seems to follow us, he knows how to empathize. We don't have a high priest who cannot understand this, Scripture says. He understands and he's able to bring healing. I believe it with all my heart, why? Man, I've walked through a lot of that myself. I've walked through it and I've received the healing power of the love of God in my heart and it's available for all of us today, amen? So I want us all to stand. We're gonna pray at the campus. I wanna pray for you and then I'm gonna turn it over. Come on, let's all stand together. 
Come on, let's pray. I just believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you and that he wants to touch your heart right now. He wants to touch that place in your soul that needs freedom. Come on, let's pray together. Maybe you wanna close your eyes. Maybe some of you wanna turn your hands up just as a sign of receiving this prayer all over the campuses online. Come on, let's pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, I just pray you would touch their hearts, touch those wounded places in their soul. Some of them are carrying, some of us, God, are carrying a wound of rejection. God, I just pray you touch it right now. God, that we're accepted in the beloved. God, I just pray for those who feel abandoned. God, I just pray that you would send people into their life. They would take a step into this church family, God, and they would know the friend that sticks closer to the brother, you, Lord Jesus. I pray you just connect them to do life with people that they can trust again, God. Father, I just thank you right now for your love filling us and touching us right where we need it, God. And I just pray for healing to happen. God, your word says that you bind up the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. God, you heal, you bring healing, you bring freedom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for God. Come on, give him your best. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.